Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. Today is September 25th. The Pirates came out of the week with one win. One win. There are less than 10 games left, guys. Bittersweet as it is, I'm sure everyone listening to this is ready to talk about the offseason moves already. But we have a whole show dedicated to this wonderful pitching staff. Now and a little in the future, but all pitching this week. Let's go Bucks. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by my brother Jake. What's up, Jake? How are we doing, man? Doing good. Here we are in the yeah. same room. Look, I can yeah. give you a high five yeah. here. Jake is is out here for the uh I guess you could say weekend. Yeah. Um a little, you know, a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, we just uh, decided we would get this done in person, mostly because you don't have a setup right now. I do not. So <laughs> I moved everything down to Mississippi and that and came back to finish out the month at work. And I was like, oh, I can just bring some stuff back. But even if I would have brought stuff back, because I, I, you know, I forgot it. But even if I would have brought it back, <laughs> I have no desk. It's in Mississippi. <laughs> do you even have so, internet? I do. I you do. Kept your internet. I kept my internet until next Friday. So, okay. Next yeah. Friday. So you'll be back yeah, next this week. coming Friday, technically. So you'll be back next. So week. I'll probably be back here next <laughs> week to have record to drive again. Out here to record. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's a little different, but I we we made it work. We got it. We, yeah, we're both in the cool. frame. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, I like. I like it. this pitching. Ah, <laughs> pitching. I, I don't even. I don't know. I, I don't, this is a hard one to go through, I, to be completely yeah. honest, because there's there's a little good. There is, there is, and and that's the thing is you know I talk about this every week. I talked about it last week. We we try to make sure that we're not like all doom and gloom. We try to bring out some sort of. We're fans. We're all fans. Like you listening, you're fans. You don't want to just tune into a podcast and hear me complain about your favorite team for an hour. Like, that's not the... I, you wouldn't last very long. Right. Yes, there are things that we're going to vent about that you're probably thinking the same things. And I can imagine, because I do this when I'm listening to podcasts or or whatever, you're sitting there going, that's what I've been saying. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I get that. There's a lot of that involved. But at the same time, we try to point out things that we see that are positive, things that mm-hmm. we... I literally look for them. And because I look for them, I tend to, you know, I tend to see more things and and dwell on those things as a fan to say, if I don't want to be upset all day, I can take a look at some of these things that I think maybe are good. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to be a fan and just sit there. Well, it's 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 not because a lot of people do it, but it's hard to be actually be a fan and just complain all the time. Sure. There's a lot going on right now. That, that you could complain about, and then I do complain about. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, if you're not looking for something good, are you actually a fan of the team? Like, Right. You, and at the same time, I will say this, just at the same time, if you're not also complaining about some of the things that you see, yeah, you know what I mean? But I think there was one I, yeah, thing that we were talking about when we were watching the game, and and we're probably, we may even get into some of this. One of the things that we were talking, we were looking at, the, or we're, blah, we were watching the game, mm-hmm. and I said, you made a comment. Well, you know this. Everybody here knows you want starting pitching to stay in longer. Yeah, you, absolutely. So, so, but 
the, one of the things that I said was, if you if you get past the idea that you want a guy to stay in, and understand that we already know that's not the mo and that's not the plan mm-hmm. of what we're watching, you can get past that first and then have your complaints about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to have we're going to have one of those tonight. We're going to have one of those tonight. A little preview there. We're going to have one. But let's go ahead and let's get into a couple of things. Not many things as far as the Bucks, Clippers, and things like that. Uh, BD outrighted to Indy. I think he's there. I don't mm-hmm. think that he declined. I mean, why would you this late? I mean, like right. I would probably just try to salvage something in my game. Yeah. Jihuan Bay gets called up this week. Bednar's back. Yeah. Yep. Um, Heineman concussion. Stout on the IL. Basically it. Mm-hmm. Um, we may say there should be some more this week. <laughs> I think yeah. there should be more tonight. Right. But, you know, we'll, we'll get see. to that. We'll get to that. Before we do, I was, you know, I was just going to pull this up. I was going to pull up. Um, I was going to pull up the standings, the MLB standings, because we have a week left and, and, and some change. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Just a short, just a very quick. Little St. Louis pretty much has the division, in my opinion. Yeah. They have six games left against the Pirates. <laughs> I'm not sure what Milwaukee has left, but St. Louis has pretty much got this thing. Um, Milwaukee is close, but they're three games out right now. Uh, but like St. Louis wins three games and, and that's over. Yeah. Right? There's seven, there's seven games. games. I'm sorry. Yeah. Three games is what I was thinking. The elimination yeah. number is three games. So that there's seven games back. So that means St. Louis's magic number is three, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They win three games, it's over. Yeah. Um, they're two out of the wild card, though. So a little bit closer there. In the East, it's the Mets still with a game and a half. Now they're still playing their games, uh, Mets and Atlanta both, and Philly, because they're playing Atlanta, but they're all still playing right now. Um, but game and a half. So close there. Mm-hmm. And then the Dodgers have theirs already clinched. And Mets and Atlanta are already in the postseason, just not division hasn't been settled yet. Correct. Um, so, yeah. And then Yankees have their, no, they're just postseason. Their, their magic number is also three. Cleveland today won their game seven in a row. Mm-hmm. And they've clinched. And they are now, like, with as many games as they have left and with this seven-game winning streak, nine and one in their last ten games, even when I thought, even when I made the change in my thought this season, like we talked a, a few weeks ago, like the White Sox still have a chance here. Now the White Sox have then, they've just lost six straight. They're they're caving. They're they're yeah. now under five hundred, yeah. which is so bad. They absolutely crashed when they could have went the other direction. I still believe. Yeah, especially with some of the pitching that they have. But when I when I kind of made up my mind that Cleveland was winning that division. I still thought they're not winning 90 games. After seven straight wins, like they're at 86, they could win yeah. 90 games. Yeah, they could. They could win 90 games. They're still not going to be like, unless the Yankees cave. I haven't really looked to see, <laughs> you know, who, who they play, but 90 is not out of reach. Playing really good baseball right now. Assuming you have nine games left, they, they need to go four and five. Yeah, yeah. They've got 90, I think, in the bag as, as well as they're playing right now. Right. Very young team. Mm-hmm. Very low payroll. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, Pirates fans. Mm-hmm. Because this is the worst thing that can happen to a Pirates fan that's, that's wanting nothing to spend money. Just telling you <laughs> right now. Because Cleveland's got 
awful owners that won't spend money either. And guess what? Their front office makes it work. Yep. So hopefully Ben Sherrington's taking some notes. Right. Because yeah. that's the only hope we have. Yeah. And I know for those of you who can't stand Ben Sherrington, sorry, but hopefully he's taking notes. Everyone can improve. Yeah, absolutely. And that includes the decisions by the front office. And you could make a case that some of their development plans are working. Uh, you could make a case they're not, too. The mm -hmm. injury bug is is hurting the, the Pirates a little bit all through the minors. Uh, but I don't think that the injury bug means that it's not working. Like, I think you give a pass for that. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. But either way, Cleveland's good, and they they won their division. Uh, Houston's already won their division uh, with 101 wins already, the best in uh, the American League. Seattle is uh, – oh, wait. We need to actually click on wild card here because this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. I mean, the NL East is still interesting, but a little more interesting here. Atlanta right now has the top spot. They're way up. Atlanta or Mets will have that top wild card spot. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. After that, it's San Diego and Philadelphia that are very close. They're just a game apart. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it's a full game. Same in the loss column, though. I think that's the important thing to remember. <coughs> but Milwaukee's two games out. So San Francisco, they they consider still a, like they're not technically eliminated yet, but right, I, yeah, but that's seventy five and seventy eight. Yeah. And and yeah, they play that way. Um the Pirates are close though. They I'm kidding. Uh Toronto has uh, an edge here in the American League with Tampa close to them. Uh, just two games back. Right now. And they're playing each other. No, that's their next game. Yeah. I think it's tomorrow. Uh maybe that's tonight. I guess they could no. still be playing. No, no they'd be. Because look how it says September twenty. Oh, it's because it's. But look how it says like September twenty sixth. Yeah, I, it does kind of make you feel like they play maybe tonight. They are playing tonight. Maybe they play the Sunday night game at eight o'clock or something. Anyway, yeah. that's a good one to watch. Uh, it's already over. So sorry guys. <laughs> when you listen, <laughs> anyway, Seattle is in it. There's they're four games above Baltimore. Seattle's three and seven in their last ten, but like everyone going for the American League wild card has lost more games than they've won in their last ten. Seattle is still like they're still at risk. Julio Rodriguez on the injured list. Yeah. And what was it? Is it the longest uh playoff drought in major sports yeah. right currently? Right. So this is a kind of a big one to see Seattle get in. Baltimore could. I mean, Baltimore, dude, that is the biggest surprise of the year. Oh, 100 percent If you want to look for positive surprises, yeah. There are some negative surprises, including the Chicago White Sox. But that's probably the biggest one, right? Yeah. Everybody else. The biggest surprise to me is Baltimore. I mean, that's that's quick. Yeah. It's good for them. Once again, guys, it's possible. Not everybody's going to be the like the Cleveland Guardians. Like they're very lucky this year. Now, before I before we go off, like they've earned it pitching wise. They've yeah, been absolutely. doing this for a long time. Yeah. For them to hit on that many young players is incredible. Yeah. Kudos to everything they've got going. It's incredible to hit on that many players at once. That, and if all the stars align like that, you win 90 games and you win your division. Yeah. And you take a shot at it. They have the pitching to make a run. Could be interesting. Right. Anyway, just wanted to kind of step through that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know we don't like, we don't want to dwell on it because we have a lot to talk about. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, 
Aaron Judge hit number 60, and Pujols hits 699 and 700. So a couple of like kind of big milestones this week. Yeah. And I mean, massive milestone for Pujols. Massive. massive. We, I will say this, we may not see this again. I saw somebody was breaking it down. They took the the averages for a couple young hitters, Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto, took their average home runs per season, multiplied it out until their age 40 season. They still don't get there. Right. Like this is a bigger deal than I think some people even realize. There are four guys. And I think because of the fact that like Bonds was a little bit more recent and yeah. then now this, but... Man, it's incredible. It's yeah, absolutely incredible. incredible. And you have to be able to play, excuse me. You have to be able to play that long. Yeah, you have to stay healthy and play and do it till you're 42 years old. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, is Pujols going to hit 21 home runs? No, probably not. We we said this. He probably won't get the playing time. After the one month, and I don't remember what month it was, but after he went on that little bit of a tear, you and I talked about it, and you yeah. said, does he get it? And you didn't think so at the time. And I said, the great ones always find a way. Mm-hmm. And when he was only that far away, and I believe by the time we were done recording, you believed he was going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. because we just had talked about that. He is definitely one of the great ones. Now, say what you want. I know all the balls are marked for Judge and him. Say what you want. If you think that there's a conspiracy out there and, and that the balls are juiced, then think what you're going to think. I will know, though, that like if there's any kind of shady business, that that one pitch to him Friday night was just a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that that means that, that people are actually fixing anything. Yeah. Um, it sucks that it was on Apple TV and that barely anyone could watch, but, you know. We get by that. We've already argued about that. We don't need to do it again. <laughs> Not argued. We've already complained about that. Yeah. We don't need to go down that path again. So that's it for the standings. That's it. I, I just wanted to kind of go over that because I thought that that was like, we're coming down to the wire. And even though the Pirates aren't playing important baseball, there's still a lot to be watching for. And I just think that it's super interesting. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get through a little bit of these games. Uh, not that we're going to do game recaps, but this lays into exactly where we're going to go this week. Excuse me. Jeez uh, Louise. Eight. What was it? Eight to four going into the ninth inning. Oh, yeah. Rodolfo Castro hits the three-run homer, which I'm not going to dwell on this because we're talking about pitching. But I don't know how you watch a ball that just went into the second row at Yankee Stadium. And I had a couple <laughs> people say, like, dude, if you had a fly ball to right field, you know it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. Yeah. But, like, I don't know how he knew that ball was gone. I I wonder, yeah, I don't know. So, like, I even thought about it, like, oh, I hit a fly ball. It's either getting caught or it's out. But, like, he reacted like he knew it was gone. Oh, he looked at his dugout and said, let's win this game, basically. Yeah. You, know, what, you know, whatever. Right. But the thing is, is, like, so it was second row. The guy in the second row had his hands up. So, I mean, you could make a case maybe third row, but, like, still, I don't know how you stand and look. Especially a young guy. Uh, like, he hasn't played at Yankee Stadium very much. It's not at, like he just all? knows. Has he? Uh, no. This no. was our first yeah. game. He's never played there. Right. I don't know how you do it. Uh, it was, you. I mean, say what you want. I was kind of, when he did that, I was like, 
I thought he flew out. <laughs> and then when I was like watching Judge, and I'm like, he's still tracking. Like I, I don't know that this is gone. Yeah. Now, if the ball gets caught, yeah, he looks goofy. He's not the first to do it. Right. And I just saw one just the next day. There was another guy who hit one and kind of hot dogged it, and it barely went over. And I was like, man, that's like treading like very lightly there. Like you see, a you lot. have to blow that when he almost hit the truck in Milwaukee. You can walk that dog off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's yeah. fine. But man, I don't know. <coughs> but he, man, he looked at it, and it, it it comes with it. It comes with it. This is the way these guys are. It's the way a lot of these guys are playing right now. It's it's part of the game. Like it or not, I don't think that there's a lot of hate for it if you miss on it because everybody expects this kind of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. The Yankees didn't take offense to it. They know what the deal is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like Stanton stood and looked at his too, and it was a line drive that it didn't barely go out. Like it went out, but like because it was a line drive, you weren't sure. Right. But he stood there and looked at it the whole time until it was over the fence. It didn't take long. <laughs> but he stood there and looked at it and put his arms out like, I, you know, I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah. So this is part of the game. It is what it is, whether I like it or not. <laughs> put the bat down and run is my thing, but it's not me. And we, we're just talking about Albert Pools hitting number 700. And you look at his home runs over the time he's watched every one of them. Yeah. Every one, the hundred, the 200, the, there's a video out there. It's the same swing. He stands, he looks, he walks, he takes a couple steps. And then with his left hand, he throws it that way. And it's like the same all the way through his career. Yeah. And it is what it is. And he, it, I mean, at least Rudy was pumped. Yeah. It wasn't absolutely. like a look at me moment. It was more like a team moment. And I yeah. will say that, but still, Way too close to do, be doing that, <laughs> I, but we don't want to talk about hitting. I'm sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Will Crow comes into this game, gives up four runs, number sixty to Aaron Judge. Congrats to Aaron Judge. Give up five runs. He gave up five runs. I meant because uh, they lost. Yeah. I was thinking eight four. Yeah, just at, I mean, didn't even record an out. No, and it was very clear that he has. I mean, it was clear before this, mm-hmm. but Will Crow has nothing left. No. He is absolutely gassed. And now what you have is the narrative that Will Crow DFA him. He's done. He's terrible. He's always been terrible. Always be terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good take. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, we talked about this. Do we, do, we, do we pull back on all the things that we said this year about Will Crow and the fact that we think that there is a valuable role that he could play? Do we take that back now that we no, see this? Absolutely not. Because you know, he's he's a good pitcher. He just you, you got to utilize him the way that his abilities and capabilities and how it plays. He went through a hot streak. Yeah, he did. I don't know that I still throw him under like he's a good pitcher, and I don't, I don't want to say that he's not, but. I, I guess my my point in that is is like he is a valuable pitcher. There is value mm-hmm. there. Yeah. He's capable. He can be a piece of your bullpen that is a successful bullpen. Yeah. But he's not the guy. No. And we looked at uh we looked at some of his uh splits per inning and everything. And the later innings are are rough. Now, 
part of this is that he's thrown in later innings after what we consider him to be just totally gassed. Mm -hmm. 836 ERA in the ninth inning. That's ballooned by four runs with no outs. Right. But it's still, that's 17 games. It's 14 innings. So it's not 14 innings, but, um, you know, he got 0.0 innings against the Yankees. So 17 games and 13 runs, earned runs, Mm -hmm. um, which is 13 runs still. But then the eighth inning only gets incrementally better at 525. And then there is a sixth inning. The sixth inning looks a little weird, but it's only 13 games. But he's actually pitched the most other than the eighth inning in the seventh inning. I wonder if the eighth inning was better earlier in the season. Could have been, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's and it's just messed up right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. <coughs> Excuse me. I know that that's coming through his yeah. mic now that we're in the same room. <laughs> I, I'm usually able to just yep. mute that completely. I'm about to mute both of us, but then he can't say something. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I still think that there's a place for Will Crow. I don't think that he's an easy DFA because we saw valuable innings from Will Crow this year. Mm-hmm. I just think it's like what you said. You have to use him in the right way. And I think he is he is that multi-inning, two-inning. Once the once the starting pitcher's out, he gets two innings, get you up. He's the bridge guy to the back end. Mm-hmm. And that's only when you have a pitcher who goes five innings. But I, and I, I will say this, too, with the two-inning, with the multi-inning thing, you got to try to get him that inning clean, the first inning. Not to come in with runners on? Yeah, but I, I well, even and even if I just think there's there's a guy that you use to get out of that inning, and then you use Will Crow to get you two innings to get you to the eighth inning, if it, if if the two innings needs to get you to the eighth, yeah, which I'm hoping that our starting pitcher steps up a little bit and we don't need two innings to get to the eighth. Yeah, um, keep going here because I'm I'm gonna try to take a look and see if I can find as quickly as I can. Yeah, his inherited runners and everything. Yeah, and it, yeah, I just think that if you have a little bit of a, a lesser pitcher, if you, I don't want to say hide him, but if you limit him, say, get me this one out, get me this, get me to the next inning, so that I can bring in Will Crow or you know one of those guys that that you're relying on to get you one plus innings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just... Yeah, I get that. Um, just, you, you come in you come into a situation with runners on, or you... or you, Well, yeah, there's going to be runners on because you're not taking a guy out unless there's runners on. But you come into that situation, you're amped. You're fired up. Okay, so here you go, because this is big. This is big with exactly what you're talking about. Uh, inherited runners, 19 this year, mm-hmm. and six of them scored. That's 32%. And I don't look at this enough to know. Yeah, and and really what it's about is the inning after that. I used to always say, and and this was how I felt about relievers, and I don't know that I have the same feeling now unless there's still that type of reliever. But if you come in in a high leverage situation and you get me out of a big jam mm-hmm. and you're in your in – your, uh, your, Energy level. Energy level. Your adrenaline is here. When you go into that dugout and that adrenaline level starts to dip, you got to get out. You got to come out of the game. And we see this all the time where they bring a guy back out and he struggles that following inning. (coughs) 
Will Crow didn't seem to have that same struggle the following inning as some other guys because I think his mindset the entire time was that he wasn't just getting them out of a jam. He was getting them to their back end. Yeah. And that's the difference is the mindset because we've already seen that Will Crow with adrenaline is actually not as good <laughs> as Will Crow when he knows he's... Yeah, and here and here's the other thing, too. We looked up on this split screen here that pitches 1 through 25, he wasn't actually as effective. Yeah, well, it wasn't even that. It's that pitches 25 to 50, he was very effective. Yeah. And, and we kind of, you know, as we kind of talk through some of this stuff, that's maybe a little bit obvious because of the fact that if you've done well through the first 25, you'll be granted more. If you've done bad through the first 25, you won't throw more than 25. So the times that he's going good, he's capable of still going good. Yeah. Further further down. Yeah. So th- with all that to say, Will Crow is not crap. He's not a, necessarily a DFA candidate when we have so many others, and we'll talk about who those are maybe later. Yeah. Um, unless we run out of time. But we think there's still value in Will Crow. It's just not going to be late inning save opportunities and high leverage situations. Yeah, and and I think I think we'll touch on this a little bit more later in the episode too. Yeah, about Will Crow specifically. And if I forget, remind me. Okay, okay. So real quick here before the break, I do want to because we're going to move into something else after the break that's going to tie into all this. this. Is all pitching this week, guys? Yeah. All pitching. Uh, today, Luis Ortiz had a hard 80 pitch limit. And we knew that because as soon as he walked that guy, he was out. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then Benuelos came in, who has been the most reliable reliever for him recently, and coughed it up. And it's easy, hindsight's twenty twenty. it's easy to say, what a bad move. But knowing, knowing, this is the biggest thing, and we and we did say something about this, Knowing what the plan is, knowing that Shelton's going to say, here's the innings limit or here's the pitch limit. I mean, and if, if it's a hard limit, then we know he's coming out. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm going to say right now, starting pitcher wins means 0% of the decision-making. I will guarantee that whether you like it or not as a fan, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not, or Jake likes it or not, I'm kind of in the, in the position where it, in my, in my sense, in my feeling of this thing, if, if you're saying I don't care about it because I care about team wins and losses, I'm about it. Otherwise, like I still look at the like pitchers who are capable of winning a lot because that means they're going deep into games a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't care as much about guys who aren't winning or losing a lot. If you're losing a lot, then you're you're getting you're giving your team less chances to win. If yeah. you're winning a lot, then it shows value. However, I don't care about a specific like in game moment, I don't care about a pitcher getting a win. I care about my team getting a win. And when you have 96 losses, I probably am not going to overdo the win-loss in any direction as much as I am player development, player health and safety. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not making that call. I'm not saying it's a good move that he goes 80 pitches. What I am saying is we already know that Derek Shelton and everyone else involved, 
they are already convinced of a pitch limit. That pitch limit was 80. We understood it to be 80, so he came out. I, I'm not surprised by the move. Whether or not I agree with him coming out has to go back to whether or not I agree with is 80 the, the hard limit? Do you even set a hard limit? That's where the disagreement comes in. And whether it does or not. But the reason I say that is because I want to set the table here. We know that they believe this. So from that point on, let's let's bring this up. 80 pitch limit for Luis Ortiz today. I'm just I'm just moving past it. We already knew it was going to happen. He came out. What happened happened. Mm-hmm. Because now you it's a team game. Somebody else has to step up and you guys have to win this game. The offense didn't have them in a position to win anyway. So it's not like leaving him in keeps the win intact for him. I don't care. Right. The only argument you have is he gave us the best chance to win by leaving him in. That's a good argument. And that's what I think most people's argument is. Yeah. But knowing that, because I want to move into this, knowing that they already believe that 80 was the hard limit. We also were told that Rowanzi had a hard limit of 60 in New York on Wednesday. He gives up four. He gives up a grand slam in the first and then settles in and was lights out. Yeah. He got to his 60 and he kept pitching. It was interesting. So are you happy about that? Because you're on the fence. You're you're one of the guys that say, let's I'm just go to you because yeah. you are one of the yeah. guys. You're one of the guys that say, read the room. Leave him in if he's in. I know you have a pitch limit, but if he's rolling, leave him in. Yeah. It, now, let's forget about the fact that he gave up two runs. They had to take him out anyway because yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. But, you know, in that moment, are you okay with leaving him in? It, 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 in my opinion, and, and I'm one of the, like you said, I want our pitchers to go. If they're rolling, let them go. But if you've set if you set the precedence that 60s is his hard limit, then 60s is his hard limit. And you question I get that. Yeah. You question what else? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why this time? Yeah. And, and, and you've done it. Yeah. I've seen them do, do it all year where they'll set pitch limits, pitch uh, count limits, and, they, and they'll take them out. And I, I don't know. I like it. I like that he let him go past his pitch limit. He could have had a conversation with Rowanzi. How you feeling, bud? I know we set this limit. I kind of want to. I kind of want to <laughs> shut you down right now. And I, if that happened, I love the fact that Rowanzi convinced him to stay in because that's a that's a if, gamer. Yeah, if that's if that's a scenario, you know. But I don't. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. a conversation had between Sheldy and and, and Rowanzi. I'm not sure, but I mean. <sighs> A standalone instance, I don't really care for, but I but I do like it that he was rolling and they let him go. Okay, so if you've said, and we know that they believe it, if you said 60 pitches because we want to protect him for his health, did, did, you, for, did you stop caring about his health in that moment? No, I, I, see, I don't... <laughs> you know what I, I don't, mean? I do know what you mean, and I know what you're saying, and I, and, I, and I get that, but at the same time, I don't feel like... You, I don't feel like they ever quit caring about somebody's health and safety. But is that the message that they're sending? Because what they're saying in this scenario is, yeah, we were going to let him go 60 because we don't want him to be overworked and we don't want him to, to get hurt. We need him for next year. 
you don't need them for this year, regardless of what anybody. Right. I know the fans. I know we want to see them win games, but let's get real. We it don't doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter at this point. We're done. Right. And I want to see. Yes, I want to see us win. Um, when they took him out, by the way, we had one run. So and they had six. Right. And they left him in. We had one run. Mm-hmm. So you know, I guess it would have been four to one. We're still in the game, but it it just. There's a little bit of inconsistency there, and I wonder, before we take our break here, after the night before when the bullpen coughed the whole thing up, and we've seen this over and over and over again, mm-hmm. even to the point where today it was 0-0 when they took Luis Ortiz out, and you said, sitting on the couch, I have zero faith we win this game at this point. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> Just because you were like, even if our offense clicks a little bit, there's a lot of innings for this bullpen to cover right yeah. now. And so, and that's true. And that's what they've done. We saw in that game that Derek Shelton was out there and, and Miggy Yahoo and Stout giving up all those runs. We saw the look on Shelton's face. And we saw the look on Shelton's face the night before. He's gassed too. Mm-hmm. And as much as you may agree or disagree with him, I think most people are not vocal about agreeing with a manager. They're only vocal if they disagree. And there's a lot of it out there. But in that moment, you had to feel something for Derek Shelton. Just something. Yeah. Take all sure. of the disagreements away and say, this guy feels like he can't get an out from his players. And that's what that's what it felt like. And I felt like he abandoned the plan because he did not think that they had a chance to come back if he had to go to the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, eight runs afterwards. Eight runs the bullpen gave up from that point on. That's the Contreras game. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like he was dead on right. And he knew as soon as I go to the bullpen, we lose this game. And with that said, do you so I wonder if it's just trying to win a game or if it's a little bit of Shelton saying, Hey Ben, get me some help. I can't do this. We can't do this next year. A hundred percent. And I think that he has to be able to show frustration and show that if if anyone expects him to win games, he's going to have to get something better in the bullpen. Yeah. So let's take a break and talk about maybe something better. Okay? All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge, the number two Bucktober. Audio podcast available on your favorite podcast platform. Video podcast available on YouTube. Follow us on the socials and subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, take a couple minutes for a review. We'll be right back. Swearingen Bat Company is Ohio's premier wood bat company, specializing in custom wood bats to meet any need from T-ball to senior league. Check out their website at swearingenbaseball.com. Link is in the show notes. Twitter and Instagram at swearingenbats. You can also find them on Facebook. Swearingen Bat Company, that's swearingenbaseball.com. Let them know you heard it here. And we're back here on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. And we're talking all about pitching. <laughs> and I think we had like a couple other things that we were going to talk about in that first half, but it went a little long. But we did, uh, we did kind of mention that we were going to talk about maybe a couple things that are positive moving in yeah. to the offseason and next year. And one of them is clearly obvious, and we've brought him up 
a couple times already, and that's Luis Ortiz. Yeah. I mean, easy hundred. On the black. On the black and with doing movement. it with movement and doing it deep into his games. We've we've seen some guys come through the pirates that throw a hundred miles an hour and get rocked. Archimedes Caminero is always the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Like it was a straight one hundred and got tattooed. And he piped it. Like he threw it down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. This is different. Yeah, there's there, there's some hair on this thing and yeah. it, it's moving and it's it's locking people up. It's getting them to swing and miss. Yeah. It's getting Jason Jason Delay to just miss it. He just missed it. He just absolutely missed it. And then he got lucky enough that the ball bounces off the wall right back to him. And he said, oh, crap, now I'm going to get a guy out. And he throws it into left field. <laughs> that was a rough one. Jason Delay. Get off your knees, catchers. Get off your knees, catchers. Well, that, was, that wasn't even the, the one that he didn't no, block. No, I know. But, but then there was one he didn't block. This today. one knee thing. Let me thing. let me vent on this real quick. Nine errors from Jason Delay. One one knee with runners on base. It gets talked about all. Why I don't I don't get it. We're not blocking balls correctly anymore. It's just it's 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 bad. It's bad for the game of baseball. This has been brought to you. But I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catchers get over it. Jeez. All right. So, but Luis Ortiz, man. I mean. This is a this is uh, now okay. When I say comes out of nowhere, I mean he's, he's everybody in the minor league system is a prospect. So those mm-hmm. guys who say like, well, this guy's not really even a prospect. He's just a minor. No, they're all prospects. Yeah. At any point, something can click and they and they could make the show. And we looked at his numbers in the minor list. Uh, I only have his name his numbers pulled up. But like this year, we talked about this when he got called up. They're not great. But we give kudos to these guys who spend every day with them saying, hey, but it works. Like, he's mm-hmm. working. Yes, he's gotten into some trouble, but they've been his fault and not, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you could say something like that. Mm-hmm. And, man, he goes five and two-thirds in his first start, gives up one hit. He walked three, but he struck out five. So his next game, he goes five innings against the Yankees. Yeah. Gives up an earned run. On three hits, only two walks, still five Ks. He shows up today against a little bit of a lesser team than the Yankees. And his Mm -hmm. first game was his first game in Cincinnati, but four and two-thirds, which we talked about, 80 pitches, that's it. And gives up one hit. His one earned run was was the guy he walked, and then Banuelos let him come around. Yeah. Uh, Two walks, but seven strikeouts. And there's, there's there's improvement in each one of those starts. Mm-hmm. Even though the inning wasn't, you know, he didn't get to that fifth inning. Right. Yeah, well, or not to the fifth, but he didn't get through the fifth inning. Like, But he in had. his other start, in his other start against the Yankees, he threw 74 pitches. Mm-hmm. And I think in his first start, this one was 80, and I think in his first, it doesn't give us here. It says number of pitches and strikes, but they actually don't list it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Can I get to that game? I believe it was 87 pitches, or I might be thinking of 83 pitches. 87 was the outing from uh, from Johan on Saturday, right? Yeah, 82, actually. So I don't know where I'm coming up with that number. It's all right. It's ridiculous. So he's between a 75 to 80 pitch count. Yeah, and he's at a place where he's thrown more. He's thrown about 30, 40 innings more than he's ever thrown in a single summer. So you understand where they're going to be careful with it. However, Brubaker's hurt. They did. They're doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. and 
He's just showing up for it. And I'm not saying this continues. He's not going to win a Cy Young next year, more than likely. I mean, I guess I don't know. Right. I mean, he could. Anybody can. Will Crow could win a Cy Young next year, guys. Nah, maybe not. Crickets? (laughs) (laughs) Either way. um, He just has shown up. And there's enough there to allow yourself to get excited about watching this kid pitch. Mm Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we've talked about, and we know that there have been moments where our starting pitching has been better than what we thought it was going to be. But there's still a lot of question marks moving forward. And we've talked about they should sign a starter. They should sign two of them. And maybe we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, But first, the idea that that he's been this good is exciting. Yeah, And allow yourself, when we start to look for those little things that are good, this is one of those things... That can be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has earned himself a little extra time. 23 years old, so he'll be going into next year. He's a January guy, so he'll be 24 next year. But, I mean, these numbers are good, and he looks – he look. it's not just that there he's lucking into him. Like, he looks good. He's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right along with it is Johan Oviedo. Yeah. Whose numbers in with St. Louis AAA were not good. As a starter, right, 10 starts, they weren't that good. And as a reliever, he looked really good with with uh, with the Same Cardinals. Was, yeah. And so we brought him and we put him... Uh, did I pull this up right? This has given me not minor league stats, huh? What, career, minors. Let's just take a look at this real quick. 10 starts, 558 ERA with... Uh, Memphis, which mm-hmm. is St. Louis's AAA. He gets five appearances, but four starts with the Pirates. It wasn't going deep, really. With Indianapolis in AAA. Uh, sorry, AAA Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. When when he was brought over to the right. Pirates, but in, in, in Indianapolis. 0.79 ERA. And so they bring him up and they say, well, let's see what he's got. <coughs> with St. Louis out of the bullpen, uh, where is it at? I'm in the wrong I'm in the wrong column here. With St. Louis, 14 games, 320 ERA. So you're like, hey, the stuff plays, but maybe out of the bullpen. Sure. He started five games for the Pirates now, 305 ERA. And like, I mean, 23 strikeouts and in 20 innings. He's just been solid. Yeah. And it seems like they just continue to to kind of get better when we look at it. Three innings, and then he had the 1.2 innings which was a bad outing for five yeah. walks. And we remember that. Mm-hmm. And then he bounced right back five innings, one, one hit four K's, two walks. And then another bad outing. I told him this, this is really <laughs> Mitch Keller all over again. Yeah. But he bounces right back, throws seven innings Saturday, seven K's doesn't walk. Anyone gives up three hits, you know, and, and, and his two and, bad outings were both against the Mets. Yeah, and I was just going to point that we're looking at these games, and he's you know he had a bad outing against the Mets, and actually, if you look at the next game, he improved against the same team, facing them a week apart. Sure, he he barely faced them. I mean, it was clear on uh, on the first game that it yeah, was he just something did, he didn't have it. Yeah, the other one was Toronto. It was good against them. Too many walks, and then Cincinnati. So and then now Chicago, and so there's a little bit of a hey, these aren't great lineups. Right. So there's still something to be proved. But other than that, you look at them and you say, this is still kind of a bright spot. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not trying to get too far ahead here. We know that they've had success against lineups that aren't the best. Yeah. Or, I mean, Ortiz, even against the Yankees. So, right. Um, but it's better than what we've had. <laughs> it's better than what, than thinking about who of yeah. Bryce Wilson and Zach Thompson is going to make this roster. Right. So let's go into that. Let's move into that. Do Bryce Wilson and Zach Thompson even have a spot on this team next year? And are we looking at Luis Ortiz and Johan Oviedo as are these guys who have they already earned their spot in these short stints? Are they at least in the conversation? 100% they're in the conversation. Yes. The 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 question is did have they earned it yet? And when you see what Luis Ortiz is bringing to the table, when you when you just look at his pure stuff and you see that movement on his fastball and you see the way he's toying with some of these hitters, when he when he was going for that immaculate inning, oh my gosh. He was one pitch away. Yeah. And I can't even remember who was hitting, but he fouls off that that outside. I mean, it was on the black, 97. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a good pitch. But then the very next pitch, 100 up by his ear, and it moved so much that he swung and got out of the way at the same time. <laughs> like, that's yeah. devastating. Yeah. That's that's legit pitching. That's good stuff. And, yeah. and you're seeing this, and you're seeing the uh, maturation at the big league level, which is great, which is what you need. Yeah, and he did kind of come out of nowhere onto the scene late in the year. I didn't expect to see that. His numbers weren't great. We mm-hmm. didn't expect to see the call-up. Once the call-up was made, I feel really good about it. Yeah. And it's just interesting to, to, to look at something like that and say, well, who else, though? Well, hey, it doesn't have to be on the stat sheet in order for these guys to get a shot. Sometimes they know better. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think this guy actually will succeed. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll call him up. And and sometimes it's the other way around. Oh, he's look, he's doing really good. Yeah, but yeah, you know what I mean. He's like a, he he's a hitter. Oh, yeah, but he's taking advantage of mistakes and he's getting he he's getting blown away on on this pitch and this pitch and this pitch. Or sure, but the errors are there. Or you know, for a pitcher, uh, yeah, but he's actually missing his spot a lot. He's just getting lucky. Yeah. So there's a lot of that that they can see, and man, uh, you know, we've had no reason to really trust that until now. Yeah. And now I feel like there's a legit reason to say, okay, like I, I'm gonna trust that this guy's gonna be fine. Yeah. Bryce Wilson has been kind of all over the place, but for me, like I'm not bringing him back. Yeah. I, I just am not gonna bring him back. Now here's the problem with not bringing him back. Actually, I don't know where his options are and stuff like that. If he's out of options, he's clearly gone. Yeah. But the reason I say don't bring him back is because you cannot. You you before it was kind of like a yeah, bring him back, but he's not going to be in the rotation. He's going to be a depth guy. Mm-hmm. These guys right here, Ortiz and Oviedo, are showing me that we have a little bit of depth. We cannot go into the offseason saying, okay, it's Contreras, Keller, Ortiz, Oviedo, and Brubaker. Well, now you don't have depth. So now you have to bring Wilson and Thompson back. And they're going to have to go either in the bullpen or they're going to have to go to AAA Indy and be there as depth. And yes, I know, but there's Michael Burrows. There's Cody Bolton. I I understand that. Mm -hmm. And those guys are probably going to find their way on the 40-man roster and they're going to be depth as well. But if you expect this team to be better, you have to anticipate injuries. 
I still think you've got to sign, you have to sign at least one free agent starting pitcher or two. And the problem with that is you you know right out of the gate that this guy, Ortiz or Oviedo, they're on the outside looking in at that point. Yeah. Or it's somebody like Brubaker, which is a really kind of split with Pirate fans and probably listeners of this, really split. Some people still see the value there. Other people are just looking at the numbers and saying, guys, can't keep keep going down this path with Brubaker. He's not good. But then the other guys are saying, if you look at the underlying numbers, he's not bad. I don't mind if Brubaker is in the the four or five spot in my rotation. Right. But at the same time, if I could sign two starters, I'm okay letting him go. Yeah. Because I'd rather let him go, maybe like, maybe even in some kind of a package in a trade. Maybe there's somebody out there who might throw some young prospect, in, you know what I mean? Yeah. At the Pirates for something like that. I don't really know. You never know if the developmental plan is really that good, then you know, you should be able to take a low minors guy and develop him. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the piece there that I'm looking at and saying, I still think, even though these guys look good, you have to still go sign a starter and one of these guys is not going to be in the rotation. I think Contreras and Keller are my two who are a lock. Yeah. After that, I think it's question marks, but only if you can get a free agent pitcher who can push Brubaker out. But it can't be one. It has to be two. If you get two free agent pitchers, you can push Brubaker out. If you just get one, you can't. He has to be there. Mm-hmm. You got to have depth. Ortiz and Oviedo could fight this thing out to see who makes it. Yeah, and it makes them work harder and you know try to Am outdo Am I saying everybody? We got to bring up this roster. I felt like I just said four people, but... Oh, no, because the free agent. Yeah. I thought I had the roster somewhere on here. Here it is. So, yeah, but to me, Bryce Wilson's gone. Zach Thompson, if one of those two has to have an option, I keep one of them for depth. Yeah. And I only keep them for depth. They will go to Indy. Yeah. And they will be depth. 100%. They will be depth. That is still a better option than (laughs) Ikoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of where I'm at with it. But other than that, uh, you know, some of these guys are, are, they have to be on their way out. Yeah. So Ortiz and Oviedo, yes, they have forced themselves into the discussion and they're going to be looked at as potential pieces of this rotation next year. But there has to be more than that. You just can't depend on that or you're going to end up with the same sort of thing. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that To I don't, I don't know if it has to be two pitchers. <laughs> And I think I'm okay hanging on to Brubaker, but I th- I think we do need to get one. Yeah, if you're and, if and your second a, starting it's pitcher, it's got to be an upper rotation guy. Does not have to be an ace. Uh yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be an ace it's because they're gonna not be. in position. They're going to lose 100 games. They're not getting an ace. But another Quintana type pitcher is gonna is gonna be what it is. It's gonna be a prove it deal. And mm-hmm. that's okay. If you're looking at this saying there's Mike Burroughs, there's Cody Bolton, there's this guy, there's that guy. They do have the makings of something that could be like sneaky, really good. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Now they all have to work and that's the that's the tricky part. Yeah. And you know, and that's what you have to depend on. But you've got to go out and get a veteran who can push this thing forward and be a rock. And the only way 
you sign to is if they're better than Brubaker. Yeah. Because if they're going to be the same thing as Brubaker, then just keep Brubaker. Right. Yeah. It just makes sense. And, you know, with that said, and I, we're going to go over today because I feel like this is, I feel like we're just going down this path and mm-hmm. we, we're going we're gonna to full circle this thing because we talked about the bullpen mm-hmm. and we talked about how bad it is and we've talked about starting pitching and who can stick around for next year. Who are we okay with? Who can stick around? And I want to do the same thing with the bullpen because I want to know who actually can stick around and be a part of the bullpen. So I, mean, I got the roster pulled up right here. We're going to mm-hmm. scroll down through it, me and you. And we got Manny Benuelos. Is he a yes or a no? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I think he can stick around and be a part of the bullpen. Um, I'm going to skip this. Uh, some of these guys that are in the minors that haven't made their appearance, Jeremy Beasley. We got David Bednar. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> Blake Cedarland is a wild card for me. I feel like he's never pitched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just feel like he's never pitched. Uh, uh, and, so and he's taken up a spot on our forty man roster. Well, he's I not because he's, he's always on the sixty on the, day. Yeah, he's always on the injured list. But at the same time, like I'm just, I'm over him. It, there could still be something there, but is he ever going to be healthy? If he has to hold a spot on the forty man, when you talk about Rule Five stuff, yeah, I'm okay letting him off of it. Mm-hmm. If somebody else wants to take him and he ends up working out, yeah. fine. Yeah. But it's a wild card to me, and I'm okay letting it go. Yeah. So Will Crow, does he stick around? Is he part of this? I, I believe so. I actually am with you. How about Chase DeYoung? I'm on the fence with Chase DeYoung because mm-hmm. he's shown glimpse, glimpses. Are yeah. you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but I'm okay if he goes. Like I'm not I'm not a cha- attached to Chase DeYoung. He was he was off our 40 man roster to start this year, wasn't he? Right. We signed him to a minor league contract. Yeah. So I mean, I've I have no problems letting him go. Yeah, I also have no problem with him being a part of it. Um, right. right now on the 60-day injured list is Yuri De Los Santos. I plan on him being back and being a part of this bullpen, too. Yeah. Um, Junior Fernandez, we don't really know much there. Uh, there's been some interesting numbers when we looked at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Holderman is another 60-day right now. I I mean, he's a part of he's a part of this moving forward as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He was... One of the more solid pieces when you really looked at uh, what he did here. I know that like some of the numbers weren't great for him. We liked what we saw from him. Yeah. Um, two oh four when he was with the Mets, uh, he had a wasn't there like a a single game that was really rough for him. Yeah, his last game out there, five runs without recording an out, uh, and before that, it just looked in better which, than that. In which landed him on the IL. Yeah. And is this a running ERA? Yeah, this is his running ERA. He had his ERA down to like a one or one sixty seven. He gives up two runs against Cincinnati to a two twenty two. Gives up five runs to a three eighty one. Um, no, that's just for that game. That can't be for that game. It's infinity for that game. How does he end up with a six seventy five? Oh, that's just in August. So throughout the whole season, though, it's a three eighty one, right? So if I go back to career. Yeah, it's a 381 combined. Yeah. It was a 675 with just with the Pirates, but that was like a blow up at the end that yeah. just tacked on five runs to only 10 innings and that made it that made it look a little worse. Yeah. I think Colin Holderman is one of the guys that I say, yeah, I'll get an extended look at him, but mostly because I'm sick of seeing some of these other guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Max Kranich, Nick Mears are kind of wild cards there. I'm not going to go into that because they weren't part of this bullpen this year. But uh, Johan Ramirez, I feel like I've seen enough to say he can stick around because I've got guys that are – this is kind of weird. Have we dumped anybody yet? Yeah, no. I don't think so. Well, we dumped Jeremy Beasley. We're going to – you know what I mean? Like that one was easy. Peter Solomon to me is the next guy. He's gone. Robert Stevenson, I, I, I don't really know. Eric Stout's gone. Get him yeah. out of here. Zach Thompson, Dwayne Underwood, Bryce Wilson, they're all gone. You're opening up several spots there. Cedarland to me, also gone. Yeah. Not gone. Some of these guys are gone. Yeah. Some of these guys are just not on the 40-minute anymore. Right. And, I, I'm, and I'm kind of there, but when I think of the bullpen, I think of... I, now, the reason I say, like, Johan Ramirez doesn't have to be in the major leagues. Right. You got to have depth. And yeah, so I'm absolutely. saying like, let's not yeah. cut, let's not cut these guys, but there are guys here who I would outright cut. But when I think of the bullpen, how many guys do you need? You got five starters. Um, you've got, so there's what 13 and 13 now. So you got five starters. You got eight guys. I mean, that's a lot of guys. Yeah. And I, I would think if you, if you've got DeYoung and Crow for your long guy, your you two, your two inning guys who can get a spot start here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I like to have somebody in, in my bullpen that I very rarely use. To me, that would be the Oviedo or the or the Luis Ortiz. That means just bring to, them up for a game if they need them? Yeah, I mean, you would just, if you need yeah. them, you bring them up, you send That's them back fair. down kind of a thing. That I, is I, kind of the way we do it now. I, yeah, I, I just yeah. don't, unless you're doing an opener type move, I, yeah. I, I don't see that. Um, but outside of that, like literally, I'm looking at, uh, we did DeYoung, Crow, Bednar Benuelos. That's four of them. We got four more to go. Well, we're keeping oh, Holderman. De Los Santos and Holderman. So there's two more. So if you could go out and legit get two pieces, mm-hmm. maybe a lefty and a righty, that are good. Mm-hmm. Not just not just like, oh yeah, this guy might be good. But if you can go out and get those guys, the rest of what you sign, I mean, we don't we only we cut like four or five guys. So you can sign some other guys that are you know what I'm saying? If you get somebody else, then yes, that's when a guy like uh, maybe a Chase DeYoung or maybe uh, maybe you start saying like Johan Ramirez or Robert Stevenson are actually cut, gone mm-hmm. kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? Where normally you would say like, oh, that's okay. I mean, we can send them up and down and, and do that kind of a dance with them. But the more you sign, the more you can cut. Right. But without... Without signing anyone, I'm still cutting those four guys. Stout, Thompson, Underwood, Wilson. They're gone for me. Yeah. Regardless of who I've signed, you've, you've got to go out and sign guys. Beasley and Solomon probably in that too. But Yeah. But I'm just saying, you, you got to rebuild that bullpen. And I, yeah, there's a very clear way where you can get valuable innings from guys like Will Crow and Chase DeYoung. Mm-hmm. If you can go get proven guys who can pitch in the seventh and eighth innings, and maybe even a guy who's pitched in the ninth inning to help with the Bednar stuff. Yeah. I'm okay. Like and like I said, I'm not a I'm not attached. I was more on Chase DeYoung earlier. Like, cause I was like, I don't, I don't know why we're you, you know, whatever. But if I say you cut either him or Bryce Wilson. Mm. I kind of those two to me because I I feel like I you would, can I feel like I don't know I, it's 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 tough for me because I I see a little bit in Wilson and Thompson 
And I, I'd hate to just cut them completely out. I think if you've signed other people, you can cut them completely out. If you sign other people, you can. If you sign other people, you can cut out the young. Yeah. Like that's the that if I'm if I'm holding on to I'm holding on to one of those three. And I'm I'm okay with holding on to uh, one of those three. I'll tell you the only reason I say no on that, I just looked at DeYoung's numbers. <laughs> He's got a 232. Yeah. In He's 38 games. Yeah. He actually he actually pitched his way to a save, like a, a save opportunity. He got three save opportunities this year, and he only he only completed on one of them. He only completed on one, but <laughs> so, but no, but that shows that there is something there. There's some value there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I think that he is still in my bullpen because he proved it. Now, yeah, he's got to continue to prove it. But at least if I can't replace him, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And there are other guys that I'd replace ahead of him. For me, though, just to go back to that, if you're picking, if you're saying we need one depth guy, but we've got to cut these guys, and so either Wilson or Thompson is going, options aside, I didn't look at it. I don't know who's got options and who doesn't. I'm going Thompson before. Wilson's gone, Thompson stays. You're right. In my opinion. And I know there's a lot of people who probably just say both of them have to go. There's no way you pick one. I would be I would be more inclined to stick with Thompson over Wilson and I don't know. I'm not 100% sure of that. I haven't looked at him that close, mm-hmm. but when I see it First Wilson's spot. when Wilson's bad, Wilson's worse than when yeah. Thompson's bad. I don't know though. Thompson's had some really bad outings too. Yeah. Cut them both. Cut them both, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with you. I'm I'm okay with it. those guys getting cut. Yeah, but if you don't, if you don't, Underwood has to go for me. I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I so last thing I'm going to say on all of this: Will Crow shouldn't pitch another game this year. No. Injured list. Mm-hmm. You've got that Beasley, and you've got Peter Solomon. I don't care if they're good or not. I don't care. Right. Right. Don't throw Will Crow in any more games. He's mm-hmm. done. And I still think he's a good pitcher. Yep. I still think he comes back next year, but he is gassed. Yeah. And if he's not gassed, then I do have questions of how good I think he is. <laughs> but yeah. he's gassed. And I I don't care who you bring up. Bring up somebody, somebody to take his innings. Somebody you just need to see. I mean, and that's take, the thing. Get a look at him. 100%. Junior Fernandez, bring him up. Let's yeah. see what he's got. Uh, but I think there was two guys I was going to say. I was telling you that there's two guys. That shouldn't. Oh, Miggy Yahoo! I think Miggy Yahoo can't throw again this year either. Yeah, I mean that ERA is only going to get worse, and that is uh, a guy that I will tell you on this pod. We have said we believe there's something in the tank there. I'm no longer convinced. I to- I told you to remind me about the Will Crow. Thing. Will Crow thing. I'm yeah. reminding you right yeah, now. Yeah, reminding me now. <laughs> so this is going to be the first off season that Will Crow can actually go into and say, "I'm a relief pitcher." Mm. So that one first one to twenty five pitches could get a lot better going into next season because he's got a completely different mindset for this off season to where he's going to be working on immediately getting ready quicker. Mm-hmm. It's a complete adjustment. Yeah, you're getting ready to start a game. You have hours to get loose, to get warm. Yeah, you brought get up stretched. this routine before it. Routines are they're they're big. 
I'm telling you, a starting pitcher's routine could be up to three or four hours long. Is that a problem? Should we stop doing that? Remember Garrett Cole complaining because it started five minutes later than what he expected, and he had a terrible outing? And he blamed the fact that they started late? That's a that's a very overreaction by Garrett Cole, in yeah. my personal opinion. <laughs> um, once I, I understand where he was going with that and what he's used to with that. Yeah. But I think that's absurd. Yeah. You know, five-minute delay is, is not going to hurt you. Yeah. Keller just did but, it uh, with a... Like how long was that delay? Like right. a half an hour. Yeah, but I just I think with a different mindset this off season and, and a different, uh, prep, can't think of the word I'm looking for, but different training this off season. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I think I think he'll be able to improve on that initial entry into the game. Yeah. Out of the bullpen. All right. Well, maybe we'll do this again next week, but with position players or something. Yeah, maybe cool. we'll do all not pitching next week. We've said all we needed to say about the pitching, I think. Um, but before we go any further, and we said we, did, we said this wasn't about him, and and uh, but we did say that Jihuan Bay was called up. I think we give him a little uh, congratulations, buddy. Yep. First pit, first major league hit, first major league hit, first RBIs. major league appearance, couple RBIs, a double, a stolen base, couple stolen he played, bases. He played second. He played center. Yeah. And I tell you what, he's he's probably the most comfortable player that we've taken from the infield and put him in the outfield. Which I know he's played a lot of outfield in the minors too. Look comfortable. Yeah. Just uh, catching yeah. routine fly bit, balls. Yeah. He just looks like an outfielder as well. Diego Castillo doesn't need to be in the outfield. No, he doesn't. It ever again. No. <laughs> but unless he works all offseason and says he's comfortable, that's a little bit different. <laughs> but no more this year. Yeah. But all right. I, I think that's all we have. Did we have anything else we were going to say? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. so. I think that's it. Hey, this has been fun yep. doing this here at the house. We'll do this one more week. Yep. Maybe the setup looks exactly like this. Maybe it looks a little bit different. I don't really know. We kind of toyed around with maybe a couple things, but um, yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, where is it at? Right here. Three against Cincinnati in Pittsburgh. You're going to the game. No. Not not this week. No, You're going against week. St. Louis next week. Yes. Okay, so three against Cincinnati, and then we go to St. Louis for three, and we're in October baseball. We're in Bucktober. <laughs> For what, four games? Yeah. Five games. No. Yeah, five games. Five games of Bucktober yeah. this year. Two in St. Louis. Look, it's a five-game series against St. Louis in October. Hmm. Two there, three here. And I'm going to game three. Yeah. I went to game three of the playoffs. Did you? Yeah, because the first two were in St. Louis. Yeah, and I went to game two. I went to the first game in Pittsburgh. Who pitched? Good question. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It went all well, but we went back. I went to him. I went to it too, because we went to both games. There was only two in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. We went to both games because we saw Waka dominate. We won the game. I went to. Yeah, we won the first one, and then mm-hmm. I sat under the scoreboard in the rain, and Waka dominated, and it was awful. But I was also in St. Louis for the Garrett Cole game that he won. So anyway, we've got a five-game Bucktober series. Let's go. Just, hey, <laughs> let's just pretend <laughs> in our heads uh, about October, um, whatever. Um, we're not even going to play spoiler. The St. Louis will have it locked in before then. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what was their magic number? Three. Uh, they might not have it quite in, but. They've got to win today and then win two of three uh, this week, and I forget who they're going up against. But 
But then they've got, I mean, they're going to. They're yeah. probably going to clinch while we're playing them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But anyway, uh, I don't know. Two and four. I mean, this is going to get bad, guys. We're going to lose our 100th game this week. Yep. And, you know, you and I are basically being proven wrong. We said that wasn't going to happen. It's going to happen. Here we are. Um, so that kind of stinks. Mas Informacion. Not sure why that's in Spanish right there. But <laughs> anyway, that's all we have for this week. Uh, we will see you guys next week on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks! <laughs>